deserve what you get. You can't muster up a praise at the thought of the Lion of the tribe of Judah, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, coming to the rescue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy. This is just a little taste of what's coming when we stand before the throne of God. And the angels step aside and the redeemed of the Lord are ushered into the great white rope throne. And as we get in there and they begin to announce, the bride has arrived and the bridegroom comes out, steps out in front of us. I'm telling you what, there's going to be a shout. There's going to be a victory, a celebration. Hey, why don't you praise God right now for what he's already done? Mm. Praise him for what he's already done. The enemy has beaten you down, has told you he's left you in that valley of weeping. He's told you there is no change. This is it. This is the new normal for you. I say under the authority of God's word, you have not yet seen what God is going to do in your life. You have not yet comprehended or has it entered your mind what God is going to do. And the earth shakes. To the foundation and the core. It's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's coming. Out, last day outpouring has arrived. And inside that outpouring is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is ready to sound an alarm, to sound a trumpet, if you will. He's ready to make a noise. These young people you're singing up here, let the enemy know we're coming. For too long, we've been intimidated. We've been knocked down. We've been, man, we spend more time glorifying the devil in the altar than we do the God that has already overcome him. We spend more time giving him praise and him glory because he's on our back all week long. Let me tell you, he is defeated. He is over. Oh! In the name of Jesus, we're talking about life and death. We're talking life and death here. And the enemy wants you to stay praying from a place of fear. I'm saying something. He wants you to continue praying from a place of fear. The last thing he wants is for you to get it inside your spirit this morning. That if you'll pray from a position of faith, the devil has already been defeated. Already been defeated. Let the enemy know you're coming. Let the enemy know you're coming. Come on, let the enemy know you're coming. Sound the roar. Sound the roar. Hand me those, please. This means war. That's what happens, you know. Sorry kind of threw down a 120-year-old Bible on the pulpit. I'm sure the Holy Spirit understands. We've been in this thing, and it's messed us up. This, this book that we found, the first pastor of this church 104 years ago, this was his study Bible. He got it when he was 15. That makes it about 120 years old. And we just happened to find it. After 60 years of it being hidden, three pastors didn't know it even existed. But God's messing us up. He's taking us back to a place, a foundational place, a core place. The very words, the very preached messages, the very prayers that were prayed that built this church a century ago. It's come home again in these last days. 
It's come full circle around back to where we are now preaching and reading from this book again. I, I can't let it go. I hold on to it all the time. Somebody says, is that a magic Bible? No, but the anointing and the power of ministry and God was in this that built our church. So I consider it sacred. Every message we've been preaching over the last several weeks has been about getting back to the book. And it was a book. It was a book in Revelation. Another book. John, the revelator, was in tears, weeping. What he was weeping as the announcement came through heaven that the book... couldn't be opened. Nobody was found worthy to open the book. The book was seven seals wrapped up in parchment. And it was about the judgment of God, but it was about the blessing of God. It was about the reward to the faithful. The future was in that book. And John was given a vision of the place in heaven and the angel that said, and there was no one found who was worthy in earth, in heaven, or under the earth. And it says that John, the revelator, began to weep as a strong angel stood up and said, weep not, for someone has stepped up who's worthy. And he describes him as the lion the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's been, it's been found worthy to open the book. And he says, behold. And when the angel turns and John expecting to see a lion, expecting to see this beast, looks at the book and it says, he sees a lamb as if he was slain. He's the lion and he's the lamb. The lion stepped down to be the lamb. He's worthy. He's worthy. And now, when he came up out of that tomb, when he walked out of that, the stone was rolled away. And he stepped out of that tomb and began to walk. And the Bible says graves begin to pop open everywhere because he was the resurrection and the life. And as he's walking, said people, dead people, walking around all over town, not knowing what in the world happened. It was the very first Walking Dead series. They were all out there walking around and Jesus was trying to find his people. But when he came up out of that grave, he became the lion and the lamb. But he became the lion again. He took back his rightful place in the scepter of a king. King of kings and lord of lords. And he rules... Mm. You stand at the very brink of victory, says the Lord. I have come to meet with you and I will assure you that my victories are sure. My victories are complete and finished. I will not delay my coming. 
I am here in a mighty way to encourage your spirit to believe, to have faith and to trust, to lean upon me and look to me now for the kind of power that will take you through as you walk towards victory. I am a mighty power. I am the lion. And I have a sound. And my sounds bring deliverance and victory. The yoke is broken with my sound. Deliverance comes in an instant with my sound. I am speaking, says the Lord. I am in hot pursuit. And I will be found faithful. I will be found sure and true. And I will complete the work that I have started in you, says the Lord. Look to me now and know that I have spoken it. It will come to pass. Stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. Very quickly in the time that I have. Joel chapter 3, starting with verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Why do I feel like I'm giving a press conference? (laughs) Debbie, prepare for war. Jeff, prepare for war. Richard, prepare for war. Sister Roberson, prepare for war. But understand, we don't move from a place of fear. We don't fight from a place of fear. We fight from a place of faith. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. He is our enemy defeated already. He's defeated. Mm. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. We need some folks who will stand up in courage and confidence. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of the Lord. You're prophesying in these last days. Your young men are seeing visions and your old men are dreaming dreams. Come on. Somebody say it. I am strong. Assemble and come, all ye nations. And gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be wakened. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Oh, this is our world today. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Have you ever seen such confusion in all your life? They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They don't know if, if there's life or not life. They, they don't know nothing these days. There's no absolute truth. There's nothing foundational. No absolutes anywhere in any way. This world is in a valley of decision. But listen to what the Bible says. For the day of the Lord is near... For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. How many of you know there is no answer in this life? There's no, search all day long, beat your head against the wall all you want to. There is no answers in this world. Our answers come from beyond. My strength, my help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
He is the shade of my right hand. He is, he is the one who keeps Israel with all of her enemies. I mean, if you ever just need faith, just look at Israel one day and just stare at him for a minute. Look at all their enemies all around them and scratch your head wondering how in the world that little country is the number one military army in the entire world. How is that possible? But God, the Lord also will roar from Zion, utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Lord, we ask your blessings over the next few moments. Touch us together as a church. Help me to get out of the way and speak only what needs to be spoken that might empower your church for these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. God is moving. God is moving. And you know, we, we need to see, again, a fresh look, a fresh understanding of, of who God is. We need to know who Jesus is. I preached uh, several uh, weeks back, maybe a couple of months back, I preached on, on seeing the Lord and His power and His might. And we need to understand this. You know, we have this tendency to, to stay real close to the Lord is my shepherd. And these are beautiful, wonderful descriptions of Him. I, I love to read the Word of God when it talks about Him being the shepherd. Emmanuel at Christmas, God with us. The bridegroom, the savior, the lamb of God, the redeemer, our great high priest, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are wonderful descriptions, but I'm afraid the enemy sometimes uses this to a disadvantage. How many of you know you need to know the whole picture? You need to know the whole thing. Don't make the mistake of keeping Jesus on the cross. Don't make no mistake of putting his kindness and his mercy and changing that for weakness. Don't leave him hanging on that cross or mistake leaving him in a grave as some dead religious zealot that was leading some cultic clan of misfits. Don't leave God, don't leave Jesus in this place of weakness. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the light of the world. And the Bible calls him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Devils tremble. The earth shakes at the sound. I love the song. At the sound that he makes. Spirits are confused. Plots are destroyed. The boogeyman runs in fear when the king is coming. See him for who he is. We live too defeated. We live too discouraged. We live like we're homeless, like Christians are some marked poor little individuals having to live in this world. We're under a bridge begging for scraps. Let me tell you something. You a daughter, you a son of God. You a king's kid. You belong to royalty. You're part of the bride of Christ. I am part of the bride. And I'm waiting for my king. There's a clarion call to the bride of Christ. Let me tell you something. The lion is getting ready to roar. I said the lion is getting ready to roar. He's calling us to war, to a holy roar. He's moving. He's looking for people that are interested in, in the real thing, the authentic move of God, not just patty cake religion. People that are, are, are past playing games in the house of God. Playing games with Christianity and religion. He's looking for people. We're looking for people. All of us are, are desperate to find the authentic, real, 
powerful moves of God that we've heard about in the Word and we've heard about in testimonies of times long ago. I thank the Lord that He's moved in our church. I'm thankful that we've seen healings and we've seen deliverances and we've had a healing here this morning in this very house and they're testifying over here in the corner about a healing today. I'm thankful that we have those things, but let me tell you, that ought to be something that is as natural as breathing for the child of God and for the house of the Lord. God spoke to me about this service. He said this was an important service. It wasn't just a showcase or or a display, that this was part of the next step that we're looking for in our journey through the book. God has been leading us back to the book, back to the beginning, back to what originated and built this church and not just this church but how many of you know this is the foundation that built the church that Jesus looked at Peter when he said who do you say that I am who do they say that I am and he looked at Peter and he said who do you say that I am Peter and Peter jumped up and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus looked at him and said flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you uh, Simon Barjona but my father which is in heaven and that is the truth that I'm going to build my church on what's the truth that he's going to build the church on on this truth he is still king of kings lord of lords he's still the powerful God he is the Christ, the son of the living God, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's still on the throne. He's still the most powerful. He is the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. He is the all omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. And he is in control of everything. And any move that's happening in this earth belongs to him. You and I understand this and we are sifted correctly. He's calling us out, and today is recruitment day. He's calling us out. He's asking for us to join a worldwide ministry. He wants us to speak to the nations. He wants us to go where others are hurting. He wants us to have the answer for people. He wants us to get close enough. Part of where we're at and what's going on is the church has been somewhat weak for quite a while. And so a lot of folks have got disillusioned with the church, which also, as you might would understand, causes them to become disillusioned with Jesus. They, they look at the church and they scratch their head because it's a bunch of religious folks getting together and do, running a, like a country club in their little churches and they're they're literally spending a lot of time with their food and their their happiness and their events and all of their little clubs and they're doing all this ministry stuff but there's no power there's a form of godliness but there's no power and that has plagued the church for a long time but the bible says in joel chapter 2 and verse 28 in the last days god says i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters they'll raise up and start prophesying and they'll start dreaming dreams and see visions when you and I understand that in the last days everything's going to shake. You know why? Because the lion is getting ready to roar. The lion is no longer the lamb that was slain. Now he sits at the right hand of the father, intercessor for him, for us, for you and I and he's praying and he's waiting and he's waiting in the moment the father is announced to the glorious heavenly crowd. Gabriel, get your trumpet, and the eastern sky is split wide open. He won't be stepping out as a lamb slain. No, no, no. He'll be coming out, stepping on a cloud as a king with eyes of fire and hair white as wool, feet shod like they're in a brass furnace, and he will speak. And when he roars, it will sound like the voice of many waters. He is a powerful Lord. He's powerful. And he's coming to bring vengeance and judgment. He's coming to bring the seals. He's coming to start the process of the end. And the remnant, those who have stood faithful through it all, have found the strength in the valley experiences. Those who have stayed true and haven't fallen into the religiosity trap. Oh, please don't do that. Please hear me today. Don't fall prey to the world's ideology. To their philosophy, it is absolutely rotten. It stinks. Ain't no truth to it. As a matter of fact, they pride themselves that there's no truth in it. 
They've got the whole world so confused. Everybody's sitting around drinking their cute little coffees, and they're talking about nothing. They don't believe in nothing. They don't stand for nothing. They don't have nothing. And they are just hopeless and forever lost in this world. Breathing, heart beating, full of potential, full of purpose, but yet they sit back weak and beggarly like they are homeless and helpless and nobody has a hope or a future. But that is not what the book of Jeremiah said. God said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, a plan for your future and for health in your life. And that is the promise that God gives for those who will stay true and will be faithful to him. We got to fight. We got to fight. We got to make a a war. We got to stand up and join the lion. We got to join the lion. He's he's got the plan. He's already got it all the way through to the end of Revelation. I know what it says in the very end. He has it all planned out. And I know you've heard this before, but it warrants being said again. I read the end of the book, and we win. That settles everything else that you need to know. It doesn't matter what you go through tomorrow. It doesn't matter what you've been through this week. It doesn't matter what you'll go through next month. What's important is to remember, thy word is settled in heaven. And that word has given you a promise that you are victorious when it's all said and done. You can take that to the bank. The power of God and his word. God's raising up an army. And you're fighting. And I understand. I understand some of the disillusionment. We tend to blame God. But listen to me. The devil don't fight fair. Thank you. If you're looking for a fair fight, I just don't understand what I'm going through. I just don't understand why I had to go through this. It's just, it's not fair. Think the devil fights fair? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He takes the truth and twists it. The Bible says he's the father of lies, and the truth isn't in him. He twists the truth. He tells you one lie after another until you finally believe it and think it's even coming out of your own brain. He deceives you until you are lost and undone without God or a son. And God has to reach way down for you. The devil don't fight fair. The devil doesn't fight fair, but listen to this. We don't care. Because we already know the fight has been fixed. You say, what? It doesn't matter how unfair he fights. The fight has been fixed. It was fixed when Jesus looked up to the heavens and the clouds and the thunder was rolling and the lightning and the rain was falling and Roman soldiers were casting lots and Jesus said, it is finished. It's a fixed fight. It's already done. So, Romans chapter 13, verse 11, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see, we understand the enemy doesn't fight fair, but Christians have also been in this stupor for a long time. And what's happening right now, as the Lord is leading us back to the book, he's leading us from that message of we got to get back to the word of God in all that we do and understanding, meditating, studying, getting your study Bible back out that you've gotten covered in dust and you don't even know where it's at, what drawer it's in or what shelf it's on. It's about getting the study Bible back out, understanding it's better than your GPS on your phone. It's better than all the other helps and technical things you've got going on in your life and mine. It's better than all of those things because this is the roadmap to life, the roadmap to eternity. Back to the book. 
we went went right from the back of the book back to the book to prayer what's next lord the next step was prayer get in those prayer services get in that prayer closet get a family altar at home if you're not praying with your family if kid if your kids have never heard you dad if they've never heard you pray out loud the shame on you if mama they've never heard you pray out loud shame on you We've got to understand what we're fighting for. We're fighting for their lives. We're fighting for our lives. We're fighting against an enemy. We've got to stand for what we believe in and be it or don't be it, but make up your mind. Prayer closet. Get in the prayer closet. The Lord led us into that message that Sunday, and it was a great move of God. Then the last two weeks, he led us from the word to prayer, and in prayer was fasting and meditating and putting his word and all that together and then he said now get unified everybody's got to get on the same page you got to forgive people that have offended you you better forgive them because that's a bitterness down inside you that's going to kill you it's going to literally render you helpless and and powerless before God he won't hear your prayers you can't hear them when you have got this bitterness and all this stuff that's coming between you if somebody across the pew from you right now you can't go over and hug their neck or at least speak to them and pray for them then you are in a bad place and you have got to get things squared away with God don't what did we say last week command don't even bring your worship don't even come in here looking for something that you're going to get from God get leave your gift right here go make yourself reconciled to your brother or your sister and then come back in here and bring your gift but let it be known that God is very very uh concerned with you and I and our our unity with the body with one another with our love for him and love for each other He's very concerned about that because that is the conduit that works between heaven and earth. And so we studied unity for two weeks, the roar of unity, the sound of unity. And what it, that's where the sound started becoming important to us because there's a sound from unity. That when we're unified together, it's like unbelievable. Have you ever seen a ball game where everybody's all psyched up and everybody's screaming and hollering and going nuts because the, the game is win, they're winning the game and the, all the team comes together? There's something beautiful about what it sounds like when people are unified in one heart and one mind. That's what he's looking for. And as he's been leading us, I've been saying, God, what's next? And all I could think about was that when we get to this place where we're in the word of God and we're praying like we should be and we're unified and we're coming together, we're forgiving others and we're getting to the place where we're in one mind and one accord and we're, we're coming together as a body of Christ. Once we get there, hell wakes up to us and then the onslaught of the enemy. Do not be surprised when the enemy comes attacking like he does. He floods at you with persecutions, physical attacks, mental harassment, fiery temptations from hell, and even betrayal of some of your closest and best friends. Satan has aimed something at you. When you start stepping out and you're making a difference in faith for God, when you're making a difference and you're standing up for good and you're making a difference everywhere you go in your community or with your family or wherever you are, when you start doing that, hell wakes up to you. Understand it and know you can't just in those days, it's not enough just to resist like you used to. A lot of folks think, resisting the enemy and he'll flee from you just simply means ignoring him but there's a lot more to it than that resisting the Lord is about fighting a smart fight Paul said I fought a good fight I finished my race I kept the faith when we understand that we know that when the spiritual tsunami hits when the flood of the enemy comes at us And sweeps us away, trying to sweep us away into despair. We have to understand spiritual warfare. Because the fight isn't fair. But it is fixed. So you got to remember that. Write that down in your Bible. The fight isn't fair, but it's fixed. Revelation gives us an idea of what happens. It's a fixed fight. God has an order for victory. We look at the book of Revelations and and it says there... In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice roar, saying in heaven, 
Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they, who's they? Us. They, all people, overcame him. The Christians, those who are the faithful, came, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The revelation, that's a disclosure of something you didn't know before. That was a picture, a dramatic exposing of how it's going to end, of what's going to happen. So the time is now to war for our inheritance. Now we fight the devil in two ways. Resisting is fighting him in pretty much two ways. First, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We know the armor of God. This is not the day I'm preaching on the armor of God. I will do that series again. So go to Ephesians chapter 6 and read it. Put on the helmet. Put on the breastplate. Do all those things and you'll be ready to fight. But then we also, we move with the lion's roar. And you say, what? You better explain that. Okay, real quickly, I don't have, I don't have any time. It says zero back there. Wow. All right. Let's see if I can do this in five minutes. Joshua passed away. I'm just going to read a lot and stay real focused on my notes because I want to tell you something. And after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go first? Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. The word Judah, you know what it means? You know what it means. Praise Yahweh. Praise. Judah means praise. They were the Levitical tribe. They, they, they literally, they were responsible for so many different things. They, they were the group that praised the Lord. Psalms was written by lots of Ju Judah folks, the tribe of Judah. So we go back to Genesis chapter 49 to look at why did God choose Judah? When did he choose them? And we go back to verse 8, and it says, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. This is talking about Jesus, the, the future son of Judah. Judah is a lion's whelp, a young lion in all of its strength. From the prey, my son, you've gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Judah must go first. If you've noticed that, that Judah word, like I said, it means praise Yahweh. It means a holy roar. It means that you literally give a shout of victory. It's a shout coming from Judah is all the different ways to praise him. And as you look through the word of God, there are seven ways to praise the Lord. Seven different words used for praise in the word of God. And I love them. I've been looking at them. And I wanted to share them with you. And I, I, I don't know that I've got the time. I'm going to try to move forward. But I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Judah comes along. And Judah is the, is the, the root of Jesse. It's the son of David. David comes from Judah, the tribe of Judah. And you look in the future, Ruth, all the way down through, we find that Jesus himself, the Messiah, comes from the tribe of Judah. So Judah was chosen way back in Genesis to be the, the tribe that would bring forth the Messiah, the deliverer for all people. And it's amazing that Judah means praise. Judah means a holy roar. Judah means that it's, it's a shout of victory. So when you look at that and you start comparing some of the stories of the people that were in the, the tribe of Judah down through history. Well, let's just look at one just without having to actually read the scripture. You know very well the walls of Jericho. It was the walls of, as the children of D Judah were walking around, of Israel, were walking around. And they were making their way around the, the, the building. Joshua got, told them six times, go around. On the seventh time as they went around, he said, now, praisers, Judah. Step forward, play your instruments, sing and shout. And when they did, the praise, the roar of that sound brought the walls crumbling down around them. Now let's look at something else, Second Chronicles, wow, 20 and 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mat 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 
Mataniah, I said it beautiful in the first service, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. Now what are we talking about? We're talking about Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's all of his enemies, three nations have come against Judah. He's the king of Judah. They've come against him. But he's got this, this, this heart for God. And so he, he comes and he bows before the Lord and he's praying and he's seeking God. He wants an answer from God, but yet all these enemies are coming at him. He's got th three nations coming from all different angles. They're surrounding him. There's way more of them. There's tens of thousands of them, more than you can count. There's innumerable numbers of them, and they, are, they pale in comparison. They are a tiny little tribe in comparison to the enemies that are coming at them. They can hear the hoofs of the horses. They can hear the chariots as they're coming. They know the enemy is close, and he says, Lord, what shall we do? And the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon a young man named Jehaziel. Now, who is Jehaziel? It was a Levite, the sons of Asaph, who was the praise and worship director. Gary, get ready. He was the worship leader. It was Judah. He had a praise. He had a praise. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And this is what he said. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of, you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord himself. This picture is a beautiful picture, because what they did was they ended up going out the next morning, and they stood in position. It says, go out against the enemy. Go out to fight the enemy. They went out to fight the enemy. They went out to confront the enemy. How many of you know we got too many people hiding in the church, hiding in the pews, hiding back in the shadows, afraid to face the enemy? The enemy is going down. The lion of the tribe of Judah is bringing victory to the house of God. And we've got to stand up, confront, not be afraid, draw a line in the sand, take your rightful place in position, and stop mealy-mouthing around with a wishy-washy Christianity. It's time to stand up and be strong in the power of God. He didn't tell him to go run, hide in the ford. He didn't tell him to go run and hide and stay back in the background, in the shadow. No, he said, go out, take position, confront your enemy. But when you get out there, you will not fight. You will not have to do a thing. Just stand and take your position. And what did they do? They did the only thing they knew to do. And that was that they began to sing and to praise. The next verse. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. What was that song we sung a few weeks ago? Praise is my weapon. Let me tell you, you have underestimated the power of praise. If you will come alongside of the lion of the tribe of Judah and let out a praise, let out a roar, let out a, a giant shout of victory, you don't even know the devils that run in fear when you begin to praise God. Now that is what you need, the armor of God and the roar of God. When you understand that that's how he's working, and I don't have time, but I am going to keep moving. Moving very quickly. If you stand with me and you play, where are you at? Play. Your praise is a weapon. Praise, worship releases a supernatural roar. Now this, I'm going to do this very quickly. I studied about lions. Lions travel around in a pride, what they call a pride. It's probably because they're proud. But lions are pride. And it's one male lion in all of his big mane. And he is like the king. King of the jungle. King, he's the beast. He is it. And he surrounds himself with about six women. Pretty sharp. He surrounds himself with these, these lions. And now, the, the big lion, you may not understand this thing. But he's over 500 pounds when he's full blown. He's 10 feet long. And he's got like four, four feet 
up to his shoulders. I mean, he's a big thing. He can't move. He's not agile. He can't turn and run and chase. And he can barely run 40, 50 miles per hour, which I wouldn't want to run against him. But, you know, that's not fast because, like, one of the things they seek after is, like, gazelles and antelopes. And they run 65 to 70 miles per hour. So they can outrun a lion any day of the week. But the beast has got one weapon he uses that wins every single time see the way that they seek their prey is the lion is patient he'll wait it's his quarry he'll move in the grass and he sits and just waits and he'll sit there all day suddenly here comes a gazelle here comes an antelope here comes the prey he signals the women. They sneak. See, they're sleek. They're slender. They can bend and move and run. They run 55, 60 miles per hour. So they're fast. So he signals to them. They move out into the grass. They hide. And they just sit there and wait. They're not watching the gazelle. They're not worried about it. They're just sitting there watching the lion. They keep their eyes on the line. And he just waits until everybody's in position. And he waits for this gazelle. And as it moves into place and it's comfortable and it's relaxed, all of a sudden, as he has strategically placed the women all around this thing, he's here in the front. And he looks at him, Josh, and he lets out. And when he lets that roar out, they say you can hear a lion's roar five miles away. Now tell me that gazelle isn't scared out of its skin. And the last thing that thing is going to do is run straight into that gazelle. That's the last thing he's going to do. He's going to run away from it. Well, see, that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing he can do. Now, there's another whole message on that one when it comes to the enemy side of things. But when we're looking spiritually at this, understand that gazelle turns and runs any direction. It don't matter which direction he goes. He just goes away from the roar. The roar sends him running. And when when he runs, he runs right into the trap. It works every single time. Not a gazelle. If one of those gazelles would run at the roar, the lion would never get him. Can't get up. He's laying there. He's lazy. Our, our lion of the tribe of Judah is not lazy, but this one is. He can't move. He can't, the gazelle could win, could jump right over top of him and be gone. But they never run to the roar. They're scared of the roar. The roar brings a shaking and a tremble to them. The roar sets them up for victory every time. When you and I have got our armor on and we're strategically placed in our mission, in our life, when we are trusting God and we are positioned everywhere we need to be, we align ourselves. We're not watching the enemy. We don't care about the enemy. We're not looking at him. We keep our eyes on the lion. And when he roars... We're ready. We win. Victory. Every time. Every time. So when you and I suit up and we get in place, in position, and when they begin to sing and praise, they align themselves with the roar. The roar of praise. That I've studied all these. I wish I could go into them. I can't. There's no way. We're way too late. Seven, seven words used. To, there's four words used for love, as you know. There's seven words used for praise. The last one is shabak, and it is a shout for victory and a loud, strong triumph, a holy roar. Shabak. Lions let out a shabak. And when we will align ourselves 
with the shout of victory, the roar that comes from the lion, we win every single time. So the word is the armor of God and the lion's roar. When we connect with that, you cannot lose. Did you hear that? You cannot lose. You can't lose. Amen. Father, I come to you this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, Lord. Let us begin to speak out loud the victory that is ours. Let us align together with the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let us align ourselves, align ourselves with you in the, the, the perimeter of victory that is ours. As we stay in the pride, if we stay in the tribe, if we stay in the group with you. Lord, if we don't look to other means, we don't look to other things, we don't keep our eyes on the devil, we don't get sidetracked, Lord, on the traps and the deceptions and the discouragements, but God, we keep our eyes on the roar when it's time. In due season, we will reap if we faint not. Help us, God, to stay focused on the lion, to not take our eyes off the lion. Help us to keep our focus and our faith on you. We won't respond from a posture of fear, but we'll respond from a posture of faith. And Lord, we'll sing when we don't know what to do, when we don't know how to fight this battle. It's too big. The enemy's too much. It's too large. They're too powerful against us. We're hopeless without you, Lord, in that moment. Help us to know that all we need to do is roar the sound of praise when we praise yokes are broken and chains are destroyed strongholds are completely annihilated when we praise we align ourselves with heaven we align ourselves with the lion of the tribe of Judah and we win we're victorious we have overcome we thank you for this that leads us into spiritual warfare for our families, for our children, our husbands, our wives, for our, our grandchildren, for our, our, our community, for our church, for our prodigals. Help, it, help, it helps us, Lord, as we move forward in spiritual warfare to stand and to fight the good fight of faith and to win every single time. It's time for the church to rise up and be the bride. It's time for us to rise up and be empowered. It's time for us to rise up and show the glory of the Lord to this world that is dying, hungry, and thirsty for truth. Help us, God, to be what you intended us to be starting now. Recruitment day is today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and we pray and we give you glory for it. We thank you, Lord. Empower your people. Touch your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our pastors to come into the altar. Those that are here, would you come? Stanton in the altar. Amelia, you come. Brian will come. As, you, as they move in, I want, if you want special prayer today, if you need someone to agree with you, I want you to move out from where you are as we dismiss, and I want you to come into the altar, and we're going to be down here to pray with you. Otherwise, tonight, uh, I think you need to tell them about what this evening's yeah, tonight, it's the last uh, last Sunday night of the month, so it's the mix. We will not be uh, meeting here. The young adults will be meeting down in the Oasis area, so we want to let you know about that. We also, uh, there's a card on your pew. Our uh, school is going to be going on a mission trip here in a couple of weeks. You can help them out. We also need a little bit of candy uh, still for our, uh, we need 45,000 pieces. We've got some of that. We still need some more uh, coming up for Easter, and uh, we'll be blessed. God bless you. If you'd like special prayer, you're welcome to come at this time. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. God bless you.